everybody. Hi, friends. Well, from beautiful springtime in Salt Lake City, Utah. It's Thank God I'm Atheist. The podcast. I'm Frank Feldman. And filling in for Rachel, I'm Dan Beecher. <laughs> and coming up on the show today, Dan, uh, some something imminent is about to happen. Well, at least in 10,000 years. And, it it uh, could happen at any moment. <laughs> within the next 10,000 years. <laughs> And that's, uh, we want to talk about supernova and events in the heavens and uh, their effects down here on Earth. And the, the one that's going to that's gonna be quite the display is Beetlejuice. Yeah. And, uh, but we'll pray none of us will be alive to see it. But I think, I think if we all get together and we say the name of that star three times, <laughs> maybe we can make it happen. Indeed. Oh, if only chanting could make it so. Right. But first, we should probably uh, continue with our announcement about our 600th episode. Oh, my gosh. Um, that's coming up in a very, very short uh, amount of time. May, yeah. uh, it's going to be uh, June 3rd um, at 11 uh, a.m. Mountain Time. We're going to be doing a live recording of the show online. You can join us. Email us podcast at thankgodimatheist.com. Put 600th episode in the subject line and uh, we'll join, we'll, we'll add you to the mailing list. We really do want you guys to be a part of it. It would be great to, yeah. to have you, you all there and you'll get to see, you know, you'll, you'll see some behind the scenes stuff. Ooh, yeah. Uh, oh yeah. That, yeah. That the, those who don't make it will, <laughs> will just not know what goes on behind the scenes. And so then good. also you'll, uh, you'll, you'll get to, see, you know, you, you might have a, an opportunity to ask us a question if, the, if you care about that. And if yeah. you don't, it's just going to be a good time. It'll be fun. Join. It's going to be fun. Q&A. So, uh, so, so what, what, do, what do people do if they want to participate? Did we, did we say that? I just you, said it. Yeah. You, yeah. You write into us. Yeah. yeah. And put 600th episode in the subject line. That's yep. how, that's how we're going to, we've caught some. You know, we, we've seen some come in that didn't have that already. It's if fine. We are if, catching if, it. If you forget what the subject line we prescribe <laughs> is, we'll probably figure it out yeah. if it says, you know, live stream or something. But but let's try to keep, let's keep the number 600 in there. Yeah. All right. The number 600 is an easy marker for us to see. Going forward, uh, let's all just try to get on board can, with that. Can we just follow instructions, it. people? Is it so hard? <laughs> all right. Well, first though, Dan, we got new of the week stuff happens yes, yes various and sundry uh events oh and occurred. this 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 first one dan has me really uh just sort of broken up um because oh. i was really rooting for these two. Oh uh, no this is the story of lauren and jason bobert the boberts <laughs> the boberts themselves they've been oh god they've been married for like 18 years and they're just such a darling darling couple um uh, 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 Lauren Bobert has filed for divorce. Oh no! Oh. First Marjorie Taylor Green now boobs. Oh my God! Low boobs. I know. Uh, citing irreconcilable differences. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, she just cannot get along with Jason anymore. Who apparently oh. took the news really hard. Apparently, he like assaulted the person serving him the divorce papers or something. Oh, like wow. he he went he went off. The, the rocker apparently it's so shocking when someone that's like that has built their entire identity around weapons and violence just as a sort of conceptual thing 
It's so shocking when they start when they suddenly like are not good at controlling their emotions and yeah. end up lashing out at someone. I know you, you just don't see it coming. It's it's hard to hard to imagine. <laughs> I know. Um, this is from her statement on the topic. Oh, it is with a heavy heart. Oh wait, no, no. It is with a heavy weight in my heart that I have filed for <laughs> divorce from my husband. Now get this. This is a little bit of a, a you know protesting too much sort of thing here. Mm. Um, I've always been faithful in my marriage. That's like the first thing she says. I've always been faithful that's her, in my that's marriage. That's her differentiating herself from Marjorie Taylor Greene. <laughs> and I, I am not like that other one. <laughs> and I believe strongly in marriage, which makes this announcement that much more difficult. This is truly about irreconcilable differences. Um, I do not intend to discuss this matter any further in public. And, um, but this is from the woman who not very long ago had this advice for other women. And if you start chasing Jesus with everything that you have, I promise you, your husband will chase you chasing Jesus. (laughs) To be able to speak life into a marriage that seems like it's ending is so powerful. So wait, was she, was this after she announced a divorce? Or no, this no, no, was no, before? no, This was before oh. she announced okay. a divorce. So this, but this is what she's had to say on the topic of marriage and divorce, right? Yeah. Like she's yeah. been up, she's, she's spent a lot of time advocating for this idea of like strong families and having right. Jesus, you know, I don't know if she's one of these, like have Jesus your third you know, or whatnot, but like, um, that's basically, you know, you chase Jesus and your husband's going to chase you. It's a menage a cross. (laughs) That's really, (laughs) damn. Don't say stuff like that. That makes me laugh. (laughs) Yeah. It'd be bad if, 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 if you laughed on a show that's supposed to be kind of funny anyway. No, uh, but this is this, it, it just, you know, like, you know, you can get, you can get, get married. Don't get married, get a divorce. Don't get a divorce. What do I care? Right. right. Why would I bring this up, um, on the show that somebody, that, a that, that somebody out there in the world is, is getting a divorce. Well, it's sorry guys. Like if you're, if this is your platform, right. If this, yeah. if this is what it is, like irreconcilable differences, that's no fault divorce. Right? Yeah, that that's that's the kind of stuff that the Republican Party is starting to like go after. They want there's people in the Republican Party who want to see an end to no fault divorce. Yeah, and if if you're like preaching that you oh my god family 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 marriage 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 have babies babies babies, then you know maybe don't get off the marriage train. Yeah, the irreconcilable differences stop, right? Like, literally, what she is, what she has done inadvertently, is admitted to the to either a she was just talking a bunch of bullshit about you know chase Jesus and he'll chase you, mm-hmm. or which she she's totally admitting, was, yeah. she, or she's admitting she didn't chase Jesus enough. <laughs> Those are the two possibilities. Yeah. yeah, that she has that that her divorce has made clear. So. I I, I mean, first of all, don't take any kind of relationship advice from this type of a person. Right. That's that's obvious. Probably don't take uh, relationship advice from 
uh, a stump speech from a politician. Right. Like that's right. not where you're going to find uh, much that's useful in life. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's so sad. And, oh, these two, what a sweet, oh. sweet. They were just call. I'm sorry. High school sweethearts, you know, like yeah. getting, getting, uh, she had her first kid at 16 again. Yeah. Nothing terribly wrong with that. If that's, you know, how you want to, that's what you're doing, right? Mm. I, it's definitely too young. It's young. It's young. It's young. It's young. I mean, that's it's hard. the kind of thing. That's really it's hard. the kind of thing where it can work, but uh, no, <laughs> don't do that. I mean, look, she's she's an inspiration. She's an inspiration because to us all. she was a, a a teen mother, a teen bride, uh-huh. and uh, and, and now so she well. and she's in Congress. Yeah, she's she's yeah. A, an elected. Uh, hypocrite in office. Yeah, it's just so gross. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I'm I'm gonna take us to California, right. where uh, where only good things happen. <laughs> oh. Um. Last year, uh, AB five eighty seven. This is a a, oh. a bill uh that Governor Gavin Newsom signed into law last year in September, and basically this was a law that that required social media companies to uh to file their plan for getting rid uh for for uh removing hate speech removing disinformation extremism harassment foreign political interference all of these sorts of things like this law was meant to hold social media companies and online uh you know the online companies that that foster the exchange of ideas. Mm. This is meant to hold them accountable in some way yeah. for, uh, for the dissemination of hate and bullshit. Well, there's a problem and that is that Christians love hate and bullshit. <laughs> oh. Hate and bullshit is like their stock and trade. So of course, of course, a group called the national religious broadcasters, uh, which is an association of Christian media outlets uh, are joining a lawsuit to block this law. What? It's just such a bad look when there's a law that's there to curtail hate speech and disinformation. And you're like, no, wait a minute. That's we want to do those. That's things. what we do. That's our that's whole thing. <laughs> Like if we can't issue hate speech <laughs> and disinformation, what, what what's left talking about Jesus? Yeah. What are we supposed to do? <laughs> We're filling 24 hours a day here. <laughs> At some <laughs> point it's going to revolve around. It's going to turn around to hate speech. <laughs> I don't see how that's possible not to. <laughs> they, uh, they, they're screaming about their, their rights being curtailed. Uh, and you know, their free speech. Uh, I, I just don't think, do they know <laughs> like what they're admitting to in wanting to block a law that was like, you know, put out that was sort of championed by the anti-defamation league and like, like, you know, we need something to, uh, to, to at least sort of slow the onslaught 
mm. of hatred and 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 misinformation and lies from other countries. Yeah, as, you know, they probably um, see it as politics makes strange bedfellows, right? From their perspective, they're like, "Ooh, I can't believe we're <laughs> we're 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 getting in bed with these people." But yeah. Yeah. But honestly, if 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 us and 4chan, like we're the ones. <laughs> yeah, if your great objections somehow align you with like the Nick Fuentes's of the world, <laughs> you should be doing some serious reconsidering. You should be doing some introspection cuz woof, that's not great. Yeah. It is not a great look. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's unfortunate. All right. Well, Dan. Yeah. We often on this show talk about uh, polls and polling numbers and whatnot that uh, love them. That, that, that reveal the demise of uh, and downfall of, of religion in America yeah. uh, through the numbers of how many people are leaving religion and the rise of the nuns. That's the, yes. the, the none of the aboves, right? The people who don't um, name any religion, which includes right. atheists and, and people who describe themselves as agnostics and uh, anybody who's just like, yeah, I'm just, I don't care. I don't know what's going on. Right. Right. Um, My religion is NASCAR. (laughs) You know what? I wish, (laughs) but one thing that we, I think have missed in uh, a lot of these numbers is um, the churn that's taking place in American mm. re- religious folk, that there's this churn amongst the, the, the various different faiths of people um, leaving one. And instead of joining us, uh, you know, delightful nuns, they go find another religion. And mm. the numbers are actually kind of interesting on this. Um, okay. Let's see in the most recent uh, public religion uh, research Institute survey, they found that a quarter of Americans uh, say that they've changed religious traditions or denominations over their lifetime or recently. Uh, that's a 50% jump from 2021 when mm. 16% said they had switched. And wow. um, people who were members of other non Christian religions um, or sort of the religiously unaffiliated, okay, um, which I guess are the nuns, uh, were the most likely to say that they had switched from a different religious tradition. And that's about 30, about 37, 38% um, hmm. of, the pop, of the respondents. Uh, about one in four Protestants of color, um, white evangelical Protestants and Hispanic Protestants say they previously practiced or followed another religious tradition. So, um, I mean, but if, if you're just, if you're talking about like, I left Pentecostalism for Baptistism, Uh is that what we're talking about? Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. It's just the, it just seems like you've just left one, you, you, you left, you know, one, one, form of the same religion for the another form of the same. Yeah. I I think though that the point is in sort of some of these numbers that I'm about to get to, which is among those who switched 56% said that they changed because they stopped believing in the religion's teachings, which is interesting. So I don't, that group would not be people who, um, you move from Pentecostal to Baptist unless they were just like, I, 
I just don't know about the snake handling shit. Right. right yeah. Um, which is possible. Right. Sure. But a, a, about 30% said negative religious teachings about or treatment of uh, LGBTQ plus people forced them to change. Yeah. So I think what you're seeing a lot of is people who are Baptist or whatever, and they're moving to something, you know, some Christian light type thing like the Anglican church. Um, the nice Christians. The nice Christians who don't seem to be very Christian anymore. Only 17% though said that they switched because their church or congregation became too political. Right. Interesting. Um, so 17 percent is not small. And but it, I, it does I, say that the vast majority of people are probably OK with their religion being fairly political because we know how political um, speech over the pulpit, you know, has become in America. Right. So. So, yeah, um, the rest of it, this is a lot of numbers that we would that we're already sort of familiar with that we talk about, um, like Gen Z which are people aged 11 to 26. They're switching and shunning religion faster as young adults. Um, Good kids. Good go. Yeah. Than, than any other Americans. Um, And that is expected to continue as they enter adulthood. Um, And so, yeah, it's, I think it's, I think it's really interesting that, um, that people are generally finding a lot of dissatisfaction with the religion that they grew up in for whatever reason, right? right? It's too conservative or it's not conservative enough, whatever it is, people are really feeling free to move about right now and to go find something different. And, and it kind of raises the question of like, how do we, how do we um, make sure that, that we're over here as like a nice uh, shining example of how you could be living your lives. Right. Yeah. Completely yeah. free of religion. And that, and that's obviously part of these numbers are, is some of that, but, um, how do we, how do we just get more people to just come our way? You know, how do we make, how do we make this look? I mean, and, and we've talked about visibility. I think, mm-hmm. I think a lot of this is just the more, the more openly happily out atheists we can, we can mm-hmm. have in the world, Yeah, you know, that are, that are just, uh, happy to say that they're atheists and yeah, just out living their lives. The easier uh, it will, the more the more it will look like that's a, a a thing that's possible and not awful and not you know yeah yeah yeah. So, uh, so just everybody keep doing what you're doing. It's working. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we're we're making it happen. But just yeah, it's just, it's, it's just gonna get better and better. I know. <clears throat> well, I mean, it might get worse before it gets better. I. I'm going to tell us this next story is weird. Um, It's not, it's a, it's, it's a positive story. I'm just going to say that it's a positive story. Hmm. So what has happened is that um, 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 the former archbishop of York in the church of England. Now the archbishop of Canterbury is like the head honcho of the C of E and York is kind of like second in command. Mm. Uh, Archbishop of York is a very important person. Okay, in the in the Church of England, um, this guy wasn't he he was he was sort of a, a re- retired from that position, but uh, now he is retired from everything. What? Um, because he's been forced to step down 
after he was uh, after a review of uh, everybody of a whole bunch of people came down. Uh, and this is about how how the church handled it when they were made aware of some priest abuse, some uh, you know, some ab- abuse of a of a parishioner. Oh, not somebody um, abusing a priest. No, no, they 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 that should happen a little bit more often. <laughs> no, depends no, no. on uh, what you're talking about. Yes, indeed. Um, no, this was a so back in the 80s, a 16 year old kid was abused by a priest, according to him, and then uh, later made it uh, known. Now this this guy went on to become a vicar himself. Oh wow. Uh, he's a, a man named Matthew Innocen, who then sort of made it known that this reverend, this reverend Trevor, very long, hard to pronounce last name, <laughs> was uh, had been had abused him. Hmm. Having told the senior clergy about the abuse, including Lord Sentamu, who's the uh, who was then the Archbishop of York, nothing happened. Uh, I guess the. the the Trevor Reverend guy, uh, the abuser, basically they didn't really do anything. Uh, eventually charges were filed against, against the abuser and in, in civil court. Hmm. And, uh, and he actually, the, the abuser ended up killing himself the day he was supposed to appear in court. Um, wow. But an inquiry into how, this was handled once the information was once the church was made aware of, of the information has led to a number of people, including uh, Lord Santamu, who's the, the former Archbishop of York. Uh, people are having to step down. They're actually, uh, hmm. there's actually a little bit of accountability. They're being held to account. What? So you said the, the, this was... is, this is a church, <laughs> right? <laughs> What? I mean, technically, it's the church doing the right thing after they did the wrong thing. Uh, it would have been nice if they had done the right thing in at the time. That would have been good, right? But like that would have blown. Like <laughs> that would have my head just like pop off. Right. I mean, with it's so neck, funny right? because like, like <laughs> this, like the it wasn't this wasn't back in the 80s that the guy made the the clergy aware of this abuse it was in it was in 2013 hmm. so they had they've had plenty of time to get some systems in place to really figure their shit out and figure out how to support victims how to get rid of dangerous clergy all of that sort of thing so the fact that nothing happened it, it is a little shocking that, that that could ever still be the case it still happens all the fucking time. Right. And you know, for, for his part, for the, uh, the archbishop, uh, through his handler, his whatever mouthpiece (laughs) said that, you know, it wasn't his job to make the things happen. That was, that was a lower guy's job. Mm. But, um, guess what? If anybody finds out about clergy abuse, uh, and you're in a position to do something about it, it becomes your job. That's your job now. Yeah. I don't see what, what more important job do you have than to prevent one of your priests from abusing children. Uh, it's a very bureaucratic organization. <laughs> and 
Well, you see, I, I had TPS reports that I had to fill out, and I wasn't able... I'm afraid I'm afraid I just don't have the time. The, the, the victim went to window 12 when they were explicitly told to go to window 6. He only filed the form in duplicate. It's a triplicate form. Triplicate! Triplicate! Good lord. Well, some accountability. Some That's accountability what is what passes for good news on the TGIA <laughs> show. Oh, golly. What a, what a bleak topic that one is. All right. Yep. Okay, Dan. Yeah. Uh, this next story, I do have to say, uh, is disturbing um, and could be maybe even a little scary to some people. Ooh. Um, but I think it's actually really important that we all hear this and that we're aware. And that's why I'm bringing it up on the show. And this has to do with okay. the proud boys. Mm. And um, I don't like those boys. And uh, what they're calling proud month, uh, mm. which is their uh, answer to pride month. Yeah. And they are apparently, according to people who pay attention to these things and monitor uh, hate groups like the Proud Boys, uh, they are they have been growing uh, since the, um, you know, attack on the United States Capitol instead of diminishing in numbers like other groups have. They are they're actually wow. they've been growing. Um, they are more active than ever, despite the uh, sedition convictions of yeah. four of their their leaders yeah um i guess former leaders at this point and i wouldn't count on it I, they yeah, might still be true. leaders you know anyway point. they've been organizing very much so online um and uh they are planning anti-pride protests uh throughout the country yeah and uh the, they are going to be accompanying those with social media campaigns uh, as recruitment tools uh, yep. to try to lure more people into their uh, anti-gay, anti-trans, white Eight supremacy yeah. uh, sort of horrible little organization. Um, they uh, have roughly 190 loosely affiliated regional chapters. If that doesn't mm. terrify you. Um, I don't like it. Yeah. That's, uh, and, uh, there, so the, the article that I, I read about this, uh, pointed out that there were at least 174 anti LGBTQ plus demonstrations last year. And that number is expected to be much larger, much larger this year. Yeah. And the reason that I'm bringing this up is not to scare people into maybe not going to pride. Um, no, because now more than ever is when we should be going to pride. It's getting back to uh, our society is sh is forcing us to shift back to what pride used to be, which was yeah. a show of force uh, or a show of numbers, not a show of show force. of numbers, a That's show right. of numbers, um, a um, allowing a our allies to come out um, yeah. and allowing us to feel, yeah, how many there are of us and how strong the community is. Right. Yeah. And, you know, for the last depending on where you are, I suppose. But for the last couple decades, pride events um, have been celebrations rather than political stands, right? Yeah. And I, I just, I think that we, now more than ever, we need to be showing up. But 
Um, it's really important that if you do go, you should probably just be smart, right? Um, yes. Stay with your group of friends, I would say, is probably pretty good advice when you're not maybe inside the festival. Keep yourself um, safe. Yeah. Walking to and from can probably be, the event can probably be kind of a vulnerable moment. Um, a couple years ago, uh, I got called a fag at Harmon's shopping for hot dogs on Pride Weekend. Nice. That was That's nice. Great. Yeah. Um, so you got to be careful out there. You never know where it's going to happen. It can even happen in the hot dog section at a... At a in at Salt a, Lake a, City, <laughs> Utah, of all places. A very expensive grocery store. Um, but our hate here, the heat in Salt Lake is supposed to be quiet yeah. and it's supposed to be subtle yeah. uh, and passive. Um, but here's some of their ideas. These are some things that they're going to be staging in June, um, or at least ideas that they're tr- trying to promote. Uh, they want to do a proud boys story time, um, the featuring members of their group reading American history to kids while wearing a Perry. That's uh, a reference to the Fred Perry polo t- polo shirts, the the black mm. and yellow polo shirts that they like to wear. Kind of the when are these guys uniform. going to realize that like boring kids is not <laughs> does not have the power <laughs> that like entertaining them has. They're, like drag drag queen story hour works because it's fun and the kids want to go. The kids want to go. These kids this have parents be like, though. These the, the parents will make their kids go. Right. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Some uh, members floated plans. Uh, for doing uh, banner drops that would be hanging banners from bridges and overpasses um, promoting sort of uh, anti-gay hate yeah. uh, let's see they're, they want to be um, online they want to be trolling triggering and gaslighting the libs and they want to take back the meaning of pride taking back June uh, is another important one I think that's actually a uh, Hashtag taking back June is uh, something Gross. that they're they're using. Also, apparently they are take they want to take over the name Juneteenth. Um, oh God! As uh, of course they do. Yeah, of course they do. They want to do a rival Juneteenth uh, that that they they see as a national day of cookouts, drinking, um, and a celebration to help quote break the chains of Pride Month. This, of course, Juneteenth is the um, it's the a day commemorating the end of slavery in the U.S. Yeah. that has uh, risen to prominence. In fact, being named a, a federal holiday two years ago, I think. No, it wouldn't have been Trump that did it. Wouldn't two oh, years? Oh ago. no, that, that was that would that would have been three years ago. So yeah, yeah two years. Ago, I think possibly, it was, I think yeah. it was two years ago because yeah. I feel like it was a. Two years ago, I remember being surprised and then like that. Oh, my God, I get this day off. And then <laughs> and then last year it was like, yeah, I get this day off. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, so this is happening out there in the world. Everybody be aware of it. Let's show our strength for for the for the and, and our support for the gay community. Um, it's I'm a just good year go to show up to it. pride. The, the, the Proud Boys are the worst members of the LGBTQ community. <laughs> I just, I just think they're giving pride a ba- or, or being proud a bad name. Yeah, they really are. They really are. Mm-hmm. Listen, here's the, here's the here's the the hot tip for everybody. If your group, when you guys do mar- when you do marches or when you you know when you have get-togethers, covers their face, 
Mm. If everybody's covering your their faces, you're in the wrong group. You're yeah. in a bad group. Yeah. That's the wrong one. All right. <laughs> well, you kind of put a damper on my final story. Oh, I'm sorry, Dan. <clears throat> uh, Lift us up. But Lift us up, Dan. Well, we'll see. Uh, so... Speaking of LGBTQ uh, and 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 drag, there is a so the uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, that's a baseball team. For those of you who don't know, the they uh, they have a Pride Day uh, where you know the the gays can come to the to the baseball. I suppose <laughs> Pride Night. I suppose, uh, and it's and you know they were they were going to have and honor. A, a group, uh, an LGBTQ group that has done a lot of good humanitarian work out there. But there were protests, and this wasn't just Proud Boy protests. Um, the, the group in question is the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Hmm. This would be a sort of, they, they do nun drag. Uh, and so... <clears throat> They, you know, they, 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 they go out into the world as, as sort of naughty nuns, they, you know, they're, they're frequently wearing a habit and then, you know, leather gear or whatever. They, it, there's a, there's a variety. If you know anything about drag groups, there's a melange of looks, uh, but, but it's all sort of centered on the theme of nunnery, uh, they have been cordially disinvited by the Los Angeles Dodgers. Boo. Uh, after a bunch of groups, uh, Catholic groups, uh, went into a bit of an uproar. Oh, the Catholics. Because it's, uh, you know, it's kind of making fun of their whole thing. Um, oh, God. One prominent Catholic who, who raised a stink was one Senator Marco Rubio. Why do I have to say those words together? Senator Marco Rubio. That's just gross, you guys. Florida, get your act together, please. Anyway, <laughs> You're talking to the wrong state, Dan. I know. They're not getting their um, act together anytime soon. Yeah. We d- let's release more snakes into Florida. We just need to, <laughs> we need to do something. Um, anyway, uh, Marco Rubio and uh, members of Catholic Vote all submitted letters to the Dodgers organization. Um and, you know, Rubio himself uh, said that the group, quote, mocks Christians through diabolical parodies of our faith. <laughs> I don't know about diabolical. How about delightful parodies of your faith? <laughs> I agree that it is a parody of your faith. <laughs> I just don't see the, dia- the diabolicalness. Right. Here's the thing, though. Here's 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 where I'm about to take a controversial stance. Uh-oh. I uh I I love this group. Uh I think I I think that making fun of Catholicism, one of the groups that most oppresses you uh and sort of taking that and and making it your own thing. I'm on board with that entirely. That makes total sense to me uh as a gimmick. The Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Flip it on its head. Do what you want with it. But I also understand an organization not wanting to, like, get in bed with a group that is, I would say, I understand Catholics being genuinely offended by this. So, 
I'm a little of two minds on this one, to be perfectly honest. If I were running a baseball team, I mean, I definitely wouldn't retract an invitation. That's, if I've sent the invitation. That's where I was going to go. Yeah. Maybe, and maybe that's the thing. Yeah. If you've already if you've already said, "Hey, we're going to uh, honor you," mm-hmm. you honor them. Yeah, that's it. Because there's you, a slap in the face that, like, that that you've just done. That's really really ugly. Right. Right. You let you let the majority people you let deal them with slap their, each other in the face. You don't slap them in the face. Right. You let <laughs> you let you you let the the group in power, which is the Christians, the fucking catholics they're gonna be just fine yeah let them lick their wounds let them have some bent feelings and you don't further marginalize the marginalized group. yeah let them f- raise some funds you know because yeah. of this because <laughs> they will I mean, they pr- yeah this will probably help uh the you know the sisters oh this this, this yes in the end they're gonna come out and be just fine Right. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, like just because there's more Catholics than there are, uh, of the sisters, <laughs> like, yeah. like, like just because you have like this big organization with lots of money that, and, and rich Catholics that you just pissed off. Right. Um, it, you, well, this you, is the you, place you, where you, I, you need to think about, huh? What was that? Well, what I was going to say is just that, I think we can be, uh, we, we don't need to be distant. Oh, I'm going to start that over again because I just dropped a thing. I was just going to say, I don't think we need to be fully disingenuous about this. It, there, are, there are just individual Catholics who would have their feelings honestly hurt by this. And, uh, and, and so it's not just the big money. You know, I, I'm a big fan of blasphemy, but I'm not a fan of... Like, I don't know. There, there. We can also be somewhat respectful, not of hate beliefs, but at least of people's religious beliefs. Why did the Why did the Dodgers kowtow? Why did they yeah. Why did they change their like? I agree with you. There would be, there were going to be real people who had their feelings hurt, but why did they give in? Why did the team give in? It's because yeah. of the 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 big pow- the big names and the money. Let's face it. Yeah. Right? Like that's well, and, why and, they gave in. And and if they were threat, you know, if if somebody you know, you can see it coming a mile away when when they're licking their chops to make big political hay out of a thing. Mm-hmm. And frankly, as an organization, if you're the Dodgers, you don't want to be in the crosshairs of that melee. You know, the those those three days on Fox News where all they talk about is woke Dodgers and blah blah blah. Nevertheless, they would have uh, survived it just fine. They would have survived it. This was a bad choice on their part. And they never ever if if they if that's not what they if they didn't want that, then they never should have invited them in the first place. Right. And Correct. and that was their mistake, right? <laughs> in 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 being yeah. so accepting. Well, they should have. I mean, you know, the, the correct choice for the Dodgers is to choose a less controversial uh, LGBT, but but an LGBT group that does good work. Yeah. Which so they but made a mistake. Yeah, they didn't. They, they, they played their cards wrong. But you know what? Once you've done it, 
you you got to stick to it. I think you're, so. Yeah. Or, or else you're a dick. And now it is a, the official position of the TGIA podcast that the LA Dodgers suck and you shouldn't be a fan of their of their team. Well, and I, I'm going to go one further, which is I'm never, ever going to watch the Dodgers, a Dodgers game again. Uh, you know what? <laughs> I believe you. I believe you're making that commitment right now. I'm never going to do it. I'm tell you so what, mad. The Dodgers, the Dodgers haven't been good since they left Brooklyn. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Indeed. All right. Well, <clears throat> that if you would like to chime in on this or any of our stories this week, please feel free to do so. The email address is podcast at thankgodimatheist.com. And if you'd like to uh, send us a voicemail message, we'd love to hear your voice. Uh, the telephone number is 424-666-8442. More show coming up. Well, Frank. Dan. Uh Jesse DePlantis, do you know that name? No. He's an old dude now, but he's a he's a prosperity gospel guy. Oh, okay. Uh and he he's going to teach us about US history. Uh which is all it's always good when you get your US, your your history from uh the preachers. They get it right every single time. <laughs> uh and just because this is literally made up out of whole cloth and lit- not supported by probably any evidence at all doesn't mean he's wrong uh so let's just let's just let the preacher tell us about the founding of the united states of america oh good now the author of the constitution of the united states is uh, president james madison who was the fourth president of the united states but he had this vision that god placed in him You see, what they wanted was not a United States of America. They wanted free and independent states. So each they could do their own thing, free and independent states. But that's not power. So these four men had the vision. So what happened when James Madison was uh, called the author of the Constitution, he he was supposed to say, we the people of free and independent states. That's the way it was supposed to happen. But God changed the word on the day that he spoke it. There for the Constitution, he said, we the people of the United States, in order to perform a more perfect union, you know, the preamble. And so what happened is God united this United States together at that day under a document called the Constitution of the United States. Wait, that's not right? <laughs> the, the, on the last minute, first of all, I like the idea that the, uh, that the Constitution was, a, was spoken first <laughs> you see what you do is you say the words of the constitution and, you and hope somebody the, rapidly writes it down someone someone's frantically scribbling yeah. off in the corner scribes they had a, a team of scribes just <laughs> waiting waiting for them to speak it oh my gosh yeah uh the thought i first of all the the right wing is super into states rights and yeah, like separate powers yeah. and stuff and he just completely undercut that yeah that's kind of with his little story it's thoroughly confusing to me it's a very confusing moment because uh, that uh well so but see here's the thing as they see themselves gaining more and more political power 
Oh, yes. They, in the federal government. In the federal government, they all of a sudden are starting to become more fans of the idea of the federal government controlling everything. Yes. But when they feel like they only have local power, then they hate the federal government. Right. It's, it's, you know, uh, it's, and it's all about lo the, um, uh, local and s state rights. Yeah. Right? yeah. So that's what, I, that's what I'm hearing from that. Right. I, I don't see how else, how you could interpret it other than that. That is exactly what it is. All right. Well, we had some folks write into us uh, and call into us. So let's get to that. Uh, this is from Chris, who says, Hi, Frank and Rachel and Dan, if you're back. I <laughs> uh, just finished listening to your dreams episode. Mm -hmm. uh, and Rachel's The Rock story inspired me to write in with something uh, maybe a bit similar. You'll recall, I listened to this. It was great. Uh but yes, Rachel last week admitted that she had a very saucy dream about Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> and it changed and has her been, life. And has been a little ways beyond smitten ever since. <laughs> uh, powerful things, these dreams. Yeah. Uh, Chris goes on, dreams have a funny way of both coming from your, from, coming from your subconscious as well as implanting themselves into it. When I was a teenager, I dreamed I died. Ooh. I don't mean like die and go to heaven or something or like falling and waking up just before impact. The scenario was a plane crash and me being in the blast radius. And I actually dreamed on for a bit uh, before waking up. Just these few seconds of, oh, guess I'm dead now. Followed by the realization that if I can think, then it means I'm still there. Mm. Then getting all excited and wanting to know more about this new state of being only to be finally woken by my father's truly wall shaking snoring from the other room. Quite disappointing, honestly. So of course I know one thing, this was a dream, but it also means that I cannot not believe in an afterlife. Now I can and do know there is no other evidence but belief is emotional for me, and it's deeply connected to this experience. Hmm. I know you guys hate the word agnostic, but that's truly how I identify. I cannot know because I do not have enough data either way, but I have the experience of seemingly being reduced to a conscience, conscious essence of me, if that paints a picture for you. Hmm. I, uh, you know, here's the thing. Uh, by the way, just a quick explanation. We do not hate the word agnostic. We just don't find it useful. I think we're all agnostic. Mm. I think I, I think agnosticism just means you can't you admit that you can't know. I admit that I can't know for sure whether or not there's a God. All I know is I don't believe in one. Mm. Anyway, is that how you feel about agnostic? I'm fine with that. Yeah. Anyway, I, uh, <laughs> so here's the thing. I what I love about this email is that it does speak to the fact that once you've had a deeply emotionally resonant experience that feels psychologically significant mm -hmm. it's really hard to rational your way around it. Mm -hmm. Uh and a lot of people can't slash won't slash don't want to do that. Mm. And I get it. I, I mean, I don't have that experience myself. I don't tend to dream. Uh, and I've, I, I've never had something implanted, something that 
goes against my uh, my sort of better rational judgment. I've never had something like that implant itself in me in that way, but I can understand how that could happen. I just, I just, I don't know. What do you do in that case? Well, I mean, this sounds like a it happened at a, at a at a younger age, so it was formative, right? Right, uh, and it, it set a framework that um, that they like, that they yeah. respond to, that helps them understand the world, and yeah. that's um, you know, that's fine. Um, yeah. I haven't I haven't had an experience like that, and. So it's, 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 it's hard to say. I have not had a profound sex dream about the rock either. Right. So I don't, I don't, it's coming. That. You're going to have it. <laughs> you're going to, you're going to be like, I've never been attracted to big muscly guys like that. But <laughs> damn. If that dream didn't change my mind. <laughs> um, you know, if nothing else, I think I'm going to invite all of us to uh, use this moment as a, as a place where we can just say, look, a lot of people are believers in religion, in things that don't make any kind of uh, logical or rational sense. And they may have had experiences like this that have implanted themselves deeply in their sub subconscious minds, in their emotional minds, in their, uh, in their identity as, you know, and, and I think we can be sympathetic to that. I think, I, I think, we don't have to reject all believers as idiots or crazy people. You know what I mean? Our human brains are fragile, stupid little things. They do amazing things, but they can all, but they're also like buggy. Mm -hmm. We haven't worked out the kinks. Well, yeah. Well, why did I have a dream about the devil? Right. Right. Yeah. I don't, you don't believe, I don't in, believe in, in the, the devil. devil. I haven't, I don't even like spend much time thinking about the devil. Right. right. I, I don't, I don't watch movies like creepy demonic type stuff, right? Like, like yeah. that's just something that's not really around in my life. And so how did that pop up? Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, dreams are, dreams are crazy. And if you remember your dreams, which Dan sounds like you really don't, um, I don't always, but I, I remember a, quite a large number of them. Um, mm sort of from time to time and they're wacky and wild and they can go crazy directions and oh they're i mean i, but, I yeah. love i love a good dream right yeah. like they're they're there's really nothing like it um <laughs> because again they're just so fantastical and weird or can i just be. think it's so i i think it's so funny you know, I think about nightmares and I think about the things that really kind of, you know, you wake up and you feel a little fucked up for a while about it. Mm -hmm. That's your own brain doing that to you. Oh, yeah. Shut up, brain. Don't. Why are you doing this to yourself? Our, You're me. Our, why are we doing this to us? Their brains suck. Yeah, they're weird. They're weird critters and uh, and and they're not easy. But anyway, there's nothing uh, you can do. It's just the brain you got. Yep. We're all we're stuck with them. Uh, <laughs> all right. This one is uh, anonymous, but it says, hi, Frank and Dan. Uh, I wanted to comment on Pope Francis's comments about having babies instead of dogs and getting pissy with the lady who asked to have her dog blessed. <laughs> Does he not know that the saint he is the saint he is named after 
St. Francis of Assisi, the Pope's namesake, mm. is the patron saint of animals, <laughs> according to the <laughs> internet. That's it true. has become customary for Catholic and Anglican churches to carry out animal blessings on his feast day of October 4th. Aww. In light of this information, I feel he's being a bit of a dick, denying an animal a blessing. <laughs> I wow. think so, too. Oh, yeah. Now, he's that just being sense. a dick. Stop being a dick, Pope. <laughs> God. <laughs> Pope's always being a dick. All right. Uh, we have a voicemail, do we not? We do, indeed. This is from a listener who shares... Um, their experience with, um, sleep paralysis. It's continuing the, the discussion that we had about uh, dreams last week. Um, uh, and I, I'm just going to say, I don't know if you've ever experienced sleep paralysis, Dan. I have not. Ugh, it's I've awful. I've read about it though. But, it's but, terrifying. But this account is, um, way beyond anything I've ever experienced. So, Ooh, so. prepare to be harrowed. <laughs> Here we go. I was listening to the last episode where Frank was talking about his dream where Satan came and chased him. And how if you were Catholic, if you were Christian, if you believed in Satan, then that would be a very compelling dream. <laughs> uh, but, you know, what takes that a step further is sleep paralysis. If you don't know what sleep paralysis is, it's basically the opposite of sleepwalking. If you sleepwalk, then your body wakes up, but your mind doesn't. So you're walking around and you don't even know. But if you're a sleep paralysis, your mind wakes up, but your body doesn't. So I've had sleep paralysis since I was like five years old. I still have it, but I used to have it a lot more when I was really young. I would wake up, my eyes would open, but you couldn't move your body. And dreams become indistinguishable with the real world in a lot of situations. So you see your dream in real life. And I was raised Catholic. So I was always told that Satan was coming for me and he wanted to send me to hell. Satan was coming for me and Satan comes to people. You know, I was heard I heard about saints. And I heard about Satan appearing to saints and the saints saying, Back down, Satan, you know. But when I was five years old and I woke up and people see sleep paralysis demons, okay? So you wake up, you can't move. You, your eyes are darting around, but none of your body is moving. And it's fucking scary, okay? It's so scary if you don't know what's going on. Uh I would wake up and I would see Satan in my room. <laughs> And it was the scariest shit in the world. I thought I was being possessed. I thought I was being personally targeted by Satan. And what I now know was insecurity was literally being screamed at to me by what I thought was Satan himself. You are stupid. You are weird. Nobody fucking likes you. You're, you know, just all that shit as a, like a little person, just, Anything that I could imagine, like, you're stupid, you're weird, you're stupid, you're weird, and I thought it was real. That's how terrifying this stuff can be. And it is so real to so many people. And I don't know how unique my situation is, but it was something, I'll tell you that. Anyways, just one more reminder that religion is scary. Thank you so much. A slide whistle at the end. <laughs> That's a hell of a way to end a, uh, a a sleep paralysis. You know, I think Satan should always, uh, all of his approaches should end with a slide whistle. <laughs> it should just be his, his curse. Yeah. I, you know, I've read about, uh, I've read lots of accounts of sleep paralysis yeah. and how people thought it was, you know, a, a demon or yeah. 
Like uh, sitting you know, on your chest. A, a witch. Yeah. Often yeah. sitting on your chest or holding you, you down. you can't move. Yeah. 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 So scary. Oh, God. I had some sleep paralysis just the other night, but. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, the morning I woke up and um, I've never really had what um, was described in the, in the voicemail. The sort of um, hallucinations. Yeah. That's never, that's, it's literally just me laying there and I can't move. And I'm trying and I'm trying and it's really just, it's so terrifying. Just that in and of itself, just the inability to move and to like get up. Right. Like just to like turn over or just fully wake up. Right. right, Is, um, that's scary scary enough without any devils involved. Having like a, like seeing the devil and having them, you know, him yell at you and yelling really awful things at you. Oh yeah. Not traumatizing at all. Don't worry about it. You're fine. You're (laughs) fine. That just sounds absolutely terrifying and awful. I'm traumatized just by hearing it. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. All right. Uh, Tate wrote into us to say, Hey Frank and Dan, I'm writing belatedly in response to your interfaith segment in episode 593. I agree that it's important uh, that atheists be present in the interfaith movement. Recently, my my workplace started a voluntary interfaith business resource group. That freaks me out. When when faith and business start overlapping, I get get a little weirded out. Anyway, uh, where we have meetings to learn about religion and discuss the complexities of being a believer or non-believer in the workspace. I'm uncomfortable being out as an atheist at work, but there's always the lingering concern that I could, oh, because there's always the lingering concern that I could be judged or discriminated against. Mm. However, I decided I needed to be open about my atheism because I have a lot of privilege other atheists don't have, like financial stability, plus I'm cis, straight, white. Uh, So... At this, at, at these BG, BRG meetings, uh, I always announce I'm an atheist whenever I make a comment. It's frankly nerve-wracking, but I mm. feel like it's worth the risk to get some visibility among uh, other believers. That's fantastic. Wow. Uh, after one of these meetings, a coworker reached out to me privately to thank me for being open. She is a queer person who works in our diversity and inclusion department, and she explained she feels safe being out as queer at work, but not out as atheist. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Our company claims they want us to bring our whole selves to work, but I think it's clear we have a long way to go before everyone hmm. is safe to do that. Hmm. Yeah, I... It's it's not safe for everyone to be out, um, but I especially appreciate it when people come out, even when it isn't safe, mm-hmm. um, because you you know you are there is risk there, but that's when it's even more important and probably more impactful. Yeah. Well, and so. it takes the it takes the those initial people coming out who've done their sort of risk assessment, right. Um, to make it, um, safer for the people who might actually be, it, it is too risky for them at this point. But the more that people, the people who it's a little bit risky, they come out, you get more and more of those normalize, you know, atheism in, Mm. in, in whatever your workplace or situation is, then, others can 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 also feel safe uh, yeah 
I think it's, I think it's a really important email actually. Yep. So there you go. Uh, all right. Well, we've have some people to thank, uh, and I'm going to start us off by thanking, uh, a, a new deacon who is David. Thank you so much, uh, over on PayPal. Uh, Thank you for becoming a, a deacon. Uh, congratulations on the magic power of delivering bread. <laughs> Among other, uh, Among uh, other amazing magical, magic powers. wonderful things. Yeah. Indeed. Uh, do, do you have some people you need to thank? We do indeed, Dan. We have a new priest by the name of Remy. Ooh, Remy. So welcome and thank you, Remy. Yeah, that's um, amazing. If you'd like to join uh, our the supporters of the show, um, you can do so. Go to thankgodimatheist.com and click on the support tab, and there's options there. You know, the the biggest magic power that you get when when you when you become a patron of our show and you you are granted the Frank and Dan priesthood, uh, is that you just you're a good person. <laughs> it makes you a better person when you give to our show. That's Indeed. automatic. And, you know, you can also support the show by uh, leaving us a, a kind five-star review on whatever uh, platform you listen to us on. Yeah, um, that's good, too. And as always, Dan, we have our top donor to thank, our Lord and Savior, Mel Remy. <laughs> Thanks so much, everybody. More show coming up. Hey, Dan. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. <laughs> no, don't. You don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> you don't know. It's such a mistake, Dan. I'm playing with laws of the universe that I don't understand. Well, you, th- you think you're, you're, you think you're being so clever and you're going to get the, the, the star to go supernova, which apparently it has been threatening for a little while now. It, like, is, it is on the verge. Yeah. Like cosmically. It's right there. Yeah. It's going to happen any cosmic moment. Yeah. Beetlejuice is behaving very, very strangely right yeah. now, um, brightening and dimming and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and then, and, and that, if you're an observer of the sky, uh, the constellation Orion specifically, yeah. um, which is an easy one to find everyone. Um, you, you could, you might have already observed this. You could also go out and observe it. Not in one moment, sort of over the course of weeks and and whatnot you can sort of notice that it it dims and brightens a little bit this is your new hobby you have to go out and look at beetlejuice every night that's that's your new hobby that's what you do um but yeah i read an article i sent it over to you dan um uh, i think it was in scientific american um about beetlejuice and sort of this current behavior and the fact that uh, it's anticipated to go supernova sometime in the next thousand to 10,000 years. Right. Uh, so which could be tomorrow. <laughs> you never know. You never know. <laughs> um, but the, when it does go supernova, it's going, they, they say it'll probably be, uh, a, a quarter to a half of the brightness of the, the moon. Yeah. Um, but in a single point of light, um, which is also, so that it's going to be a super intense little bright speck. They say that, uh, on moonless nights, there would be still shadows cast, 
by Beetlejuice at that point, uh, which is visible also during the day, visible during the, in, in the daytime sky, really just truly a remarkable thing. And I just hope I live a thousand years so I can see it happen. Yeah. But that's not going to happen. So. That's, that's, that's where medical science needs to aid astronomical, <laughs> astronomical I just, science. I really, really want to see this. <laughs> um, and it's just not going to happen but it sounds really cool and it got it got me really sort of just thinking and fascinated and whatnot this week but in the article there's a kind of a funny little paragraph that caught my eye and was talking about how in ancient times sort of you know signs in the sky like supernovas because this this would not be the first supernova observable by humans there have been supernova that have appeared in the past and, but ancient people sort of, uh, sort of lent meaning to it that of course wasn't there. They saw they had superstitious reactions. Yeah. It, had, to, it was an omen of some sort. Ex- exactly. A, right. It, it um, portended things. Sure. And, but the article is sort of, you know, because I think we, when we think about the ancient peoples were so quick to dismiss them as oh those silly primitives <laughs> right and they're right. silly superstitions and the article pointed out that we probably uh won't fare much better like if it happened yeah. today right we might we might see the same thing <laughs> that, you never know <laughs> that superstition would probably be uh, a very big part of the the human response to to this and well, that got my mind really going like that was almost a bigger reaction that one little right. paragraph to that one little paragraph than uh, to the idea of beetlejuice going supernova um well it's one of those things where if your mind is primed to to believe that the universe gives you signs and messages mm. That rather than being, uh, you know, just a sort of a bunch of space where a bunch of rocks clanging against each other and random shit happens, that some that things are meaningful, that things have meaning, mm-hmm. uh, which you know we're pattern seeking critters. Like again, we, I think that one of the great themes of this episode is about how our brains are more than happy to participate in cognitive biases and problematic bad reasoning but we want to see patterns we look for patterns and then we try to interpret those patterns and it doesn't matter if there's no interpretation to be had we'll impose an interpretation on a thing Mm. we're totally good with that so yeah i think there are a lot of people who would see that the night sky changing in a fairly dramatic way and uh and want that to have a meaning yeah yeah well and you know like christians in particular and i know that this is also taught in other traditions but they're just sort of they're on the lookout for the end of days and the Mm -hmm. end times and and that they're and 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 they reference scripture that talks about signs in the heavens and whatnot right right and so if you're like a, a not even that fringe of a Christian sect, something like a supernova of this magnitude appearing in the sky for years, right? It, it, it would probably not last the length of a, of a, of a normal human lifespan, 
right? But right. they but they said that it would last years. Um and for that to appear in the heavens, man, like you don't need yeah. much more to happen. You know, you right. add on an earthquake or something or like, <laughs> Oh man, you do that. <laughs> We're sold baby. Yeah. Like people will be, um, running out into the woods, starving <laughs> themselves or drinking the Kool-Aid or doing whatever <laughs> religious fanatics and, and cultists get talked into doing. Right. Right. Um, and so, we're God, this thing that like first, my first reaction. And I think the reaction of our listeners would be one of awe and wonder and beauty and, 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 and marveling at this, this wonderful thing that we get to see in this moment. Right. Yeah. And with, and understanding what it is, right. And accepting yeah. that it's, it's, it's a star that's, you know, I can't remember how many, light years away it is um that that blew more up. than one definitely more than one uh but it blew up and that's 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 all it is right yeah. um and that we know that they do that and we anticipated it and yeah. it was predicted yeah not yet. not by scripture not predicted by scripture <laughs> predicted by scientists who've been watching it for a very long time well, here's and, the problem with not predicted by scripture. It probably was predicted by scripture in that <laughs> someone wrote, holy shit, you know, it's John of Padmos, there's some some dude in a cave on an island in Greece wrote something about a star, you know, burning extra bright or whatever. And, and like mm-hmm. that could mean anything. And it was probably meant to be metaphorical or whatever. But a sec- the second anything looks like it's fulfilling a prophecy. Yeah. Then, uh, then they're going to roll with that. They're going to run with it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's so, what, that's what we're up against everyone. <laughs> and then what's funny is, so you mentioned that to me, you, uh-huh. you, you know, when we're, when we were sort of, uh, going over this, you mentioned the idea that, you know, well, the Christians are going to see this as a sign and who knows what's going to happen. And I was like, or they won't. Because you never, you catch him on the wrong day or something. It's like Pat Robertson with the weather. Sometimes it means that, you know, God is punishing us for having lesbians in the universe. And then sometimes it's just a weather phenomenon and don't think too hard about it. Don't worry about it. We it's just, look, it's just hot air rising, cold air falling. You know, you got a, you got a differential in the, in, you got two fronts that meet each other and we know how this works. Right. So it just depends on who is screaming the most effectively in the moment. Uh, as far as of like how many people will, I mean, what you're talking about is the, the, how large of a group of people will be freaking out because, yeah, exactly. Because there will be some fringe groups. They could not handle having something like that happen without, having a crazy <laughs> ass interpretation, That's right? True. They just can't. And then you have, and then it's more the question of what do the, I mean, I hate to say Pat Robertson's mainstream, but what do sort of the more mainstream, um, at least college educated. And in his case, Ivy league college educated, right. um, individuals, what do they, what, what do those religious fanatics say about the, event? Uh. <laughs> It'll, 
you know, it's it, it's almost it's sad that we won't that we likely won't live to see uh, the supernova just because we want to see it just because that's that would be really cool to see. Yeah. But it's also sad because we won't get to see how the ding-dongs respond and that that would be fascinating. I know. Like, Alas. <laughs> oh well, uh if you would like to predict uh make 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 a ding-dong prediction uh about a supernova or anything else in the world, feel free to write into us podcast at thankgodimatheist.com or call and leave us a voicemail message. The telephone number is 424-666-8442. We'd love to hear your voice. Yeah. Hey, go to the Facebook page, facebook.com slash TGI Atheist and click the like button. And if you'd like to join one of our members only lounges, you can do so. Uh, we have one on Facebook and one over on Discord. Uh, go to our website, thinkoutimatheist.com slash members only. Yeah. Hey, thanks so much to the Red Rock Hot Club for the use of their fine music. And thanks to Gordon Johnston for the use of his music. And thank you to all of y'all for tuning in. We sure do appreciate you. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.